We're going to be wrapping up um, Acts chapter 2. So if you want to open your Bibles to the end of Acts there, it's really five verses um, tonight, and it's really five powerful verses about us. I want you to take a good look around this room right now because this is your family. This is who you're going to be in heaven with. Everybody in this class is a fellowship of believers. That's what we're here. That's what we're celebrating, joined in one accord as Scott and, um, and Stuart taught us. We've got Jesus who commanded the disciples to stay in Jerusalem for the promised Holy Spirit. Um, he ascended into heaven, of course, and as they were praying and tongues of fire and just amazing supernatural things happening, the Holy Spirit was poured out. And that's really the big kind of stake in the ground, really, of course, besides the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus, um, the Holy Spirit being poured out. And we see this through Acts, and we're going to see through the whole book, is really, um, it can be said the Acts of the Holy Spirit, just like it can be called the Acts of the Apostles, because it's really what God's doing through the lives of the Apostles and His people. And it's amazing to, uh, to see what we're going to see throughout this book, so I'm excited. Um, so I read this uh, story this week, well, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, but I was looking over it again, and really a story of devotion and uh, people that were in the church, a couple of ladies, matter of fact, who um, really show a great example of devotion inside the church, and so it was listed in uh, MSN News, and I wanted to Go over it, read it to you. Um, this was in Memphis, Tennessee, and it's a woman with five daughters who donated her kidney to a single mother in the church. Maybe some of you saw that story, but she said that, I couldn't imagine Carly, her daughter, growing up without a mom when there was something I could do to help that, said the mother of five, Jenny Williams, 37, of Memphis, Tennessee. Thanks to Williams' kidney, uh, or kindness, 36-year-old Erica Walker said, I have a chance to raise my daughter and she doesn't have to grow up without a mom. I'm going to get to see her go to school. I'm going to, go, I'm going to get to see her grow up. I'm going to see her get married and have kids. Walker explained that she had battled type 2 diabetes all her life. And as a result, she had struggled to have children and had a complicated pregnancy while she was carrying Carly, her daughter, now two years old. Walker lost her eyesight even during the pregnancy. So doctors performed an emergency C-section, and Walker gave birth to her daughter eight weeks early. She said she was terrified. I didn't even know if I was going to be able to see her. After she gave birth, her health began to stabilize, but her kidneys um, gave her problems. Doctors later diagnosed her with stage four chronic kidney disease and began discussing getting a donor. It really brought the mortality right in my face, Walker said. I would look at my daughter knowing how fast everything was progressing. I knew I was not going to be here anymore if we didn't find a donor. So she turned to her church, Heartsong United Methodist Church, for prayers. And, having, uh, and after her sad story, Williams, the, the director of the children's ministry, got to test to see if she was, uh, she was a match for Walker, and she was. If you have the opportunity, she says, to help somebody, you should definitely take that opportunity. Jesus gave everything for us, so why not give something that really, in the long run, you don't actually need? When Williams revealed to Walker she was a match, the single mother said, 
She had to sit on the sidewalk to catch her breath. She started crying. I was really startled, starting to lose hope and trying to stay positive. And then this lady that has five kids of her own just called and told me she would be my donor. She said there was hope. Last week, the, the pair went, underwent the operation, now in recovery. Um, just after a week, I can already feel the tremendous difference. My skin color came back. Mentally, I'm more alert. I don't feel sleepy all day long. It's going very well. While Walker gained a kidney from the exchange, William said she gained new family members. We're officially family now, William said. Although her own daughters are older than Carly, they just love her to death, the mother of five said. Now that is devotion. The church stepping up, and that's what we're going to see tonight. That key word there is devotion. We look around the room and we come to fellowship all the time, and we kind of sometimes we might get a little complacent and we don't really reach out and meet new people and kind of sit at our table sometimes and um, we don't we kind of miss the eternal aspect of things you know that we're going to be with each other we're going to be together you're looking at me I'm looking at you you're looking at each other and we're going to be worshiping God together and we're going to be in fellowship together as well for eternity and that's something to think about it's, it's an amazing gift from God. So the title of this message is Why Fellowship? I mean, why, why, do, we, why do we come here? Uh, there's a lot of fellowships um, in the church, but there's also fellowships in the world. You know, there's probably the Motorcycle Association Fellowship. There's uh, fellowships of gymnastics. There's all kinds of fellowships of the rings. <laughs> Bilbo Baggins once said, I don't know half of you half as well as I should like, and I like less than half of you as well as you deserve. Now, that's the fellowship of the rings, but that's fiction. That's a fantasy, right? This is real. This is eternity. This is God bringing us together under one accord. But today, we're just so busy. You know, we don't stop and we don't take time to really uh, think like we should. Maybe Christians, of course, do that better than others, but we're so plugged in with technology. We're so iPhone. We're so social media. We're so drive-through. The world is increasing in individualism to the point that we can get everything we desire from the touch of a device. That's just going to increase. This agenda of isolation is exactly what the enemy wants because he wants to get us alone. He wants to attack us. He wants to separate us and keep us isolated. He doesn't like what we're doing here tonight. Right? He wants to keep us alone and, and keep us from enjoying what God created us for, fellowship. In Genesis, God created the family unit. He didn't just create Adam. He didn't just create Eve. He created the family unit. Um, and we see that in Genesis that God is in fellowship, Father, Son, and Spirit, right, in creation. Um, and he created the family to have that community with him and with each other. In the same way, God created the church through Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. This is the doctrine of the Christian faith that we stand on, and without it, we have nothing. The resurrection, right, is the stake in the ground that God says, I've won and I've beat you, sin, and I've beat you, death, and I've given it to my people as well. So uh, the fellowship of the church is a gift. It's a gift from God to us. It's a community of believers. It's Christ's own bride. God lives among his people through the Holy Spirit and communes with us. He communes with each other, and it's a special fellowship that we get to enjoy here. 
And really, that's what the pastor's class is. And we started, um, really developed into something huge. I mean, it was even over in that, where I first came to pastor's class was over in the other room um, across the bridge there. And it was maybe, I don't know, 20 or 30 people. Um, and it just kept growing and, and more people were coming and the fellowship, just a lot of great things. We've had just different pastors come out and speak. We've had missionaries, church planners. Um, so many great things has happened in this, in this pastor's class. Um, it launched in the August of 2013 with the idea, of course, of being a community of believers and doing life together. Um, this is really a, a taste of eternity, is what, is what we get when we come here together. Um, we've served at Grace Bridge. We've partnered with other churches. We've made care packages recently. We've helped uh, various church ministries, and we've blessed many lives. We've added the van ministry at Evergreen and also helps at Corinthians. We've added the worship element to class. That's amazing. Love that piece. We've partnered with uh, Outcry in the Barrio, who now joins us. Um, and our members really started, started around 30. is now over 100, well over 100. God has moved in a powerful way through this class. Because the truth is, is that the only shot that we have in making it through the storms of life is together. And the only shot that we really have in following Jesus is together. We need each other. And we have a lot of differences. We may not agree all the time on everything, but that's okay. God made us unique. And we love each other because God's put that love in us for each other because God is love, right? So let's look at, let's go ahead and look at the text tonight. I'm going to read it from the ESV. And we're going to see um, just what God has in store. This birth of the church, this birth of the fellowship that he's got um, it's powerful to see what the Holy Spirit did. So for starting in uh, Acts 2.42, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. And awe came, among, came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. That is a lot of, I mean, we kind of read over that really quick, but there's so many things happening just right there. And, and they devoted themselves. They, they proskartario, they got together, they were devoted in such a way that it was complete, uh, intense, all-in devotion is what that term in the Greek is. It's, in, it's, it's complete fidelity to each other, and nothing can break it up. It's that kind of an intensity of devotion, and, and Luke uses it in his gospel, and it's used in other places throughout the New Testament, but it's, it's devoted, right? Just like we read in that story. Um, with the ladies at church. They were devoted to themselves. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. So Scott and Stuart kind of went over some of that. Uh, the apostles' teaching is, is the material that they would share 
with the disciples because they firsthand experienced it. And that was the reason why they chose Matthias as well, is because it had to be someone who was there from the beginning. That was the criteria. That was the qualifier for an apostle. You had to be there from the beginning. You had to be part of um, what was happening when Jesus' ministry was here. And that's why they chose him. Um, That was the qualifications. And so you see these apostles teaching as uh, just material that they were sharing that was the truth of Jesus, that um, that he lived, um, what he did, all the miracles that he performed, all the p- different people that he reached out, Gentiles and Jews, um, brought them together um, by the power of the Holy Spirit and um, his, his death on the cross, that he would suffer the most tremendous death on the cross for our sins. And his sacrifice was just such a most extravagant gift. It was the sacrifice of all time. It was, a, it was an atonement that was so far above beyond what any sin could ever be. It was so much more overpayment. It's like if you owed somebody 20 bucks and you gave them a billion, and that's not even close. Um, His sacrifice was internally powerful. And then his resurrection, that he was buried, and that um, he he resurrected from the dead. That's what what they were talking about. And now the Holy Spirit being being poured out. This was the apostles' teaching. This was the uh, doctrine of the Christian faith, that there's the Father in heaven that loves you. And I could go on and on, but it's not a doctrinal class right now. But um, that's what the apostles were teaching. Um, and they were devoted to the fellowship, like I, like I was talking about, to the breaking of bread and prayers. So we're going to look at four main things in, in these verses. It's going to be the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, worship, and prayer. Um, this apostle's teaching was uh, the 12 apostles, of course, we talked about that, and, uh, and the, many, the fulfillment of Jesus from many prophecies from the Old Testament now being fulfilled, um, and this was the major movement and what they were standing on. And then the fellowship, the koinonia, right? We've heard of that word before, the koinonia. Uh, it was important for these believers to spend a lot of time together. Um, they would discuss the apostle's teaching. They would encourage and challenge each other. And enjoy one another in the family bond that the Holy Spirit created. So it wasn't just that they were meeting like once a week, um, like we do on the weekends together. Um, we kind of break up during the week. Some people from the class meet, you know, for this or that. And that's, that's awesome. That's how it should be, to continue to meet together, not just in here, um, and do life together and support each other. Uh, this fellowship also extended to a tangible manifestation of love for one another that found expression in sharing with the poorer members of their fellowship. So this koinonia must have, um, it must have sharing of their, and I'll talk a little bit more about that, but sharing of their possessions and their belongings um, to give to each other, to anyone in the fellowship who was in need. That's important to think about. Um, is there a need in the class? I mean, we have a prayer board up here. A lot of prayers are spiritual prayers, of course, all of them being for God to move in our lives and to answer those prayers. But if there's a prayer on there that you see that you can meet, why not we do it? You know, why not look at that prayer and say, you know what, I can meet that need, whether it's financial, whether it's um, whatever the need might be. Let's look at that board and let's meet it together too, right? God wants us to pray about it and then act on it, right? So that prayer board, 
I could give you an example, but I don't want to. I don't want to do it. But I saw a prayer on there that I could meet, and I was thankful to God to be able to do that for that person. And uh, and I just see that blossoming. So, um, but this fellowship proclaimed Jesus as Israel's promised Messiah and humanity's Lord, which set them apart in Jerusalem. They had an extinguishable, a distinguishable eternal identity, and that's what it's talking about when all among the people and um, favor, all these things that not just among the fellowship, but everybody in town was really saying, hey, these guys have got something different here. There's something neat going on here. It feels right. And what we're seeing is more miracles um, happening. We're seeing people coming together. We're seeing this love that we've never seen before, and we want a piece of that. And so like Stuart was talking about last week is that Peter gives a sermon of a lifetime and 3,000 people are saved by God's Spirit moving people. Uh, different languages are being spoken and people are hearing the gospel in their own tongue and they're coming to Christ, 3,000 people. I mean, that's amazing. Um, and now this new fellowship of believers is formed as well. So now we have the breaking of bread, which is really our worship um, piece too. Our lives are worship, what we do at work and what we do amongst each other, how we represent Christ in the world, the excellence that we do when we go to work. All of these things are our worship before God that we uh, please Him, right? So this breaking of bread was uh, the sharing of ordinary meals, of course, to further their fellowship in different homes they would meet and they would just share regular meals together. But they also would share this in such a way this is kind of the kickoff for the Lord's Supper, is that as a community they would come together with the understanding of the passion of the Christ, with the understanding that Jesus lived and he suffered for my sins and he was buried in the tomb and he rose again. And they would be thinking about this as they got together and encouraged and challenged each other and sharing ordinary meals and really as Jesus would do for his 12 disciples as they come together to share that last meal um, before his crucifixion, they would be sharing that in that way as well. So this passion of the Christ, uh, the death, the significance of Christ's death, the Messiah, and the celebrating of the Lord's Supper, um, it, was, it was held in conjunction with common meals throughout the homes, uh, the Lord's Supper. The remembrance would have a time of quiet reflection as well as an occasion for expressing thanks to risen Jesus, praising him for what he had accomplished um, in the world and in their lives. And then prayer. The first Christians spent a lot of time in prayer. That's what I love about this class and this church is that we are prayers for each other, prayers for um, Puerto Rico, you know, and, and just tragedies in the world. Because um, there's a lot of them too, but also celebrating too, not just the tragedies, but the celebrations overshadowing the tragedies. That God, are you ready for God to move in your life? What God wants to do in your life right now, He's not done with you. It doesn't matter how old you are, God's not done with you. He's got a new mission for you, He's got a new word for you, He's got a new prayer for you to give, He's got a new word for you to reach out and give somebody. And we always should be ready for that opportunity. And, 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 talking with God and saying, God, where do you want me next? Where do you want me? I'm thinking about you and where you want me. I'm on mission for you, right? So these prayers and celebration and, and also these prayers for needs, um, that's what they were doing as well. The first Christians spent a lot of time in prayer. They prayed privately. They prayed all kind of prayers, corporate prayers, 
Um, prayers standing up, eyes closed, prayers while they're driving down the street. Just kidding. That's me. That happens. Yeah, we probably spend more time praying as we uh, are driving to work and stuff. You know, God, please help me. Give me patience today as I go to work, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, get me to work. Yeah, so many wrecks. You know, God, get me there safely. And I pray for those who are in that accident, Lord, for you to protect them and bring comfort to them and heal them quickly. Yeah, all kind of prayers. Um, but also they maintain a Jewish pattern of prayer by setting aside three times a day to focus on prayer. Um, that's kind of a neat thing we do at Dallas Christian College is we set at times during the week for just designated prayers. And uh, we come together every Tuesday at four just to pray for our students and faculty and staff and um, just what God's doing in their lives. Are they earn their Bible degrees and various vocations uh, and their majors and just seeing what God's doing in their life. We pray, pray, pray. And uh, just like this fellowship... We stand for that, too. So it's really neat. Um, but the customary hours of prayer um, was something that they held to as well. And their prayers probably centered on blessing and praising God as well as asking Him for guidance and boldness since proclaiming the gospel. So let's look at, I got three points, really, um, for this text tonight. Um, but really, all of it, I mean, it could just really throw the lesson out. And if we're not just reading the scripture and really, really making this our ownership, because it's not that we have to follow this to the T, but this is about us, you know. And that's what's so important about the scripture is that, like we, we talked about before in, in the services, that God's story becomes our story. And now God's story is part of the fellowship story. And that fellowship is our fellowship now. And so it's something that we really should look over and continue to just reread it and say, God, what is it in the pastor's class that you have for me next? Is there a need? Do we need a leader? Well, maybe maybe that's me, God. If, you, if it is, open those doors and show me the way. If it's a mission, a new mission that we need to do, if it's a new ministry, uh, show me that, God, and those kind of things. So um, the first point is this. Uh, this fellowship, to become mature in Christ, we're regularly engaging in three biblical norms, or you could call them standards or functions. The 3,000 people who accepted Peter's exhortation to repent and be baptized began to participate in these three things. First, learning and growing in the Word of God. These new believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. We see that in two, uh, verse 42a. What Jesus promised regarding the ministry of the Spirit of Truth was unfolding before their very eyes. Sometimes we read Scripture and we don't realize this is unfolding. This word God has for me is unfolding right now in my life because it's still relevant for today, right? And that's what they're seeing. John 14, I should have marked this, John 14, uh, 16 through 18. Let me turn to it here real quick says this, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. No. Is that right? Oh, he goes. It's this. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells within you and will be, with, and will be in you. Um... That's the spirit. What they're seeing 
is, is that God's spirit, the things that he's doing is unfolding right before their very eyes. This is a powerful time in the fellowship as God kicks it off here. Second point is that developing our relationship with God and one another, that's important. These new believers also devoted themselves to the fellowship. That's this devotion. That's this um, idea that they're completely committed to each other. And if there's a need, that they meet the need. And they're praying for each other and thinking about each other and maybe holding meals outside of the pastor's class uh, or their own fellowship, of course. Um, Fellowship is a human and it's a divine experience. It involves partaking of a communal meal, praying for one another, meeting each other's physical needs, and praising God. It is a divine, sanctioned, human, just like Jesus, fully God, fully man. He comes to us, and then this fellowship is God-sanctioned, God-brought together. God is moving in and through our lives, and, but we're also human, right? I mean, we're broken, we're sinners, and we need a Savior, and that's Jesus. And so... This is something that we must remember, of course, as well. These believers were not only loving God, but loving one another. A true reflection to the world that they were dedicated disciples of Christ. John 13, 35. Let me read it for you real quick. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That's a short verse, but it's powerful. That's how they know us. Because of our love for one another out in the world, not just in church. We have to go from here and we represent Christ, right, in the world. And we love people with a divine love, with a love that they're not getting in the world that attracts them to Jesus Christ. And God's Spirit is working in their hearts to move and to bring them to really the end of themselves. (laughs) Because that's what it takes, doesn't it? It takes us to come to the end sometimes for Jesus to come into our lives and start to pick up and to transform us. It's amazing. And then point three is witnessing to the unsaved world. These new believers were impacting those who had not yet responded to Peter's message. Aha. So there's 3,000 that were saved. They responded, but there's some that didn't, right? There's some that need to come to the realization that God loves them and that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, the Messiah fulfilled from the Old Testament now to the new, to go and suffer on the cross and die for their sins and raise to life so that they could be transformed and have a new life in Christ and be with him in eternity, all right? So there's some that need to still be saved, just like there are out there in the world. They had favor with all the people to uh, verse 47. What Jesus prayed in John chapter 17 was actually happening. They were demonstrating love and unity among themselves, which in turn opened the hearts of the people as the Lord added to them those who were being saved. God came in and he moved in their lives and then people were saved and then other people were looking and they were saying, wow, okay, I don't know if I'm there yet. I'm not responding, but I know that this is special. I know that there's a sobriety check here. I know that God's doing something. This is, they're starting to work and starting to move. And, and, and so the Lord is opening hearts and then people are being saved in verse 47. These three functions are crucial 
and mentioned throughout the New Testament, there to be the standards for the Christian experience for every local church and fellowship at any moment in history and in any culture of the world. It's powerful. It's very powerful. I want to share with you a, a personal story. I buried one of my students a couple weeks ago. And this young man was 23 years old. And he just was really called to ministry. He was a veteran, you know, out of high school. He um, joined the military, did his, did his tour, of course. He came back and just was called to ministry, started to get into church. At, uh, I won't name the church, but started to get into church and really uh, see God move in his life and came to me for to start his Bible degree um, for practical ministries and biblical studies. And so got to know this guy. He was amazing, heart for God. He had Jesus all over him, all in him. Um, and then I went to his funeral and that impressed me even more with this young man because what I saw at his funeral was his entire fellowship show up. And that was an incredible thing to experience because I've performed several funerals. Um, I have been to some funerals and I have lost it at funerals and I've held it together and I've all, all kind of things at funerals. It's never fun to be at a funeral unless you're a Christian. You get to celebrate that that person gets to be in the presence of the Savior. And in this young man, um, yes, that was tragic. He was 23. But to see his fellowship come together from his church was amazing. I mean, they came up one by one and they talked. Uh, they all showed up and they talked his, about his impact on them and the community. They talked about his passion to share the gospel and the scriptures. They talked about his prayer life, always offering prayers for others. They talked about always sharing meals together, helping each other, coming together, providing for each need. The generosity was tangible with them. And uh, totally sold out to Jesus, always talking about him. They told us that uh, he sold out to his fellowship, that he was all about the proscarterio of the devotion of the fellowship. He was sold out to them, always spending time together. 23 years old, just called to ministry, just beginning life, now ended in a car accident in Plano, Texas. A short yet powerful ministry. But he was a fully active, fully engaged, fully talking about his fellowship, always inviting people to the fellowship, always meeting needs, coming together, talking about Jesus, sharing his faith. I mean, this kid was ready for a powerful ministry, and it's over. And you say, why, God? Why in this young man? Why now? And we'll always have the why, but we can trust God with the outcome. And that's just the reality, right? So our third president, DCC Newland, said this, if you're going to do something for God, do it now. He tells our students, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. So here's the point. A healthy fellowship is marked by biblical commitments and the fruit of those commitments. And here's some questions for us is, are we modeling this fellowship, the biblical definition? Are we doing that? Uh, and if, and if, we're looking at ourselves and are we 
inviting new people to class? Are we connecting with them? Are we uh, growing the fellowship? Are we um, stepping up to lead and, 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 and share our resources? Are we a fellowship devoted like Acts? And I would say that we just soul searching and, and being convicted by this passage, just everything that I see. Um, but we're not done yet. We have some growing to do, right? There's some things that we have yet to do. There's some lives that are going to be blessed because of us. But the question is, are you ready for that? Are you ready to be transformed inside and out and that be contagious on other people? Are you ready to get out of your chair and grab somebody and say, come on in here. God is moving in this class. And I want you to be a part of that because this is eternity. This is heaven on earth as God is moving in such a way that you will experience too, and you will be on mission for God, and you will be praying for people wherever it is, and you'll be sharing the gospel, and you'll be like, I don't even know how this happened. I mean, I couldn't do that, but God did it, and it's awesome, and we're going to eternity together. We're going to heaven, and we're going to be there, and we're going to worship God, and it's going to be awesome. Amen? Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for this class. Thank you for every person that's here tonight, every blessing, every heart that's here, God. You love them, and you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for their sins, not for them to come when their life is cleaned up, but the sins that are ugly, the hidden sins, the sins that we wear in our lives, that you died for all of our sins, God, and you suffered that, and you died for our sins, Lord Jesus, and you rose again. And you paid the price forever. All of our sins covered. None of us born yet when you went to the cross. But you saw us and you said, Anthony, sins are going to be paid for. I'm going to draw him to myself. Joy, Paul, Wilbur, Richie, Robbie, all these people coming to faith in Christ. God, thank you. For yet while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Thank you, God, for the model of this fellowship that we have in Acts 2, that your word speaks to us in such a powerful way, that it's still working in our hearts and lives, and that we're going to be transformed by it. I pray, God, that we would still have fertile soil in our hearts and in our lives, that um, that you would come in and develop that soil and produce fruit from it. I pray for the needs of our class. I know there's needs out there, God. There's needs of financial, maybe a job, maybe a healing. All of those things, God, I pray that they would be met in Jesus' name starting tonight. I pray that for this class, God. I pray that we would go out and impact our communities as a fellowship of believers, never forsaking ourselves like Hebrews says, never neglecting to meet together and to assemble in your name. I pray, Lord, your blessing and favor on this class, that your presence would be with us, that we would have this awareness of Christ and practice him and follow him in our lives. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.